Hello everyone, welcome to a very special edition of Therapy Dog Talk. My name is Sherry Rohde and this is my future therapy dog, Sunny. Today is National Therapy Animal Day and we have a very special guest joining us. Hi Elizabeth. Good morning. I'm so glad you can make it. Yay. I'm wearing my National Therapy Animal Day shirt, which you can't see. Excellent. <laughs> I am wearing one from a couple of years ago. Nice. Nice. Making a difference one therapy animal visit at a time. I love it. Elizabeth, I would love if you could introduce yourself, share a little bit about yourself, maybe your pup, and your role at Pet Partners. Absolutely. My name is Elizabeth Van Every, and my current role at Pet Partners is Senior Communication Specialist. I'm also the managing editor for the organization, so I wear a couple of different hats. I have been with Pet Partners since 2014. I started with our program support staff, so I was supporting our volunteers who go out and do these amazing therapy animal visits. After a few years, I stepped into a new role that was partly marketing and communications and partly working with our partners to help bring therapy animals to more organizations. Then a few years ago, I moved full-time into communications and marketing. And I like to tell people that what I do at Pet Partners primarily is I tell the stories of what our therapy animal teams do. And it's such a privilege to do that. And it's such a rewarding role for me to be in. I came to Pet Partners with a background that was partly in publishing, partly in what's called informal education and just general communications and publishing work. And those all kind of melded together with what Pet Partners needed to create this role where I get to do this storytelling and I get to tell people about all of our therapy animal teams, the work that we do, the difference that we make in the world. I do not currently have a therapy animal of my own. I do have pets. I have one very, very cranky elderly cat and I have a German Shepherd who's about six years old, a rescue. We love him. His name is Fezzik because he's like the giant and the princess bride. He's very big, very loyal, very caring, and not really a thing. Loves people. He has the perfect temperament to be a therapy dog. And we would love to get him to that point someday. But because he's not really a thinker, he has shown some challenges in being reliable and predictable with his training. So that's something that we're just working on every day, just getting him into the mindset of these are the things we would like you to do. And sometimes he says, I don't really feel like it. And we keep working on it with him. And, you know, not every animal comes to this work naturally right away. I'm familiar with one of our handlers who has a German Shepherd rescue herself. And she said it took about five years for this dog to be ready for therapy animal work. But once she was ready, they made a beautiful team and they're doing great work in their community. So we're still hoping that we'll get him there someday. And if not, sometimes the best role for a dog or a cat or any other prospective therapy animal is just to help their own family, yeah. be a beloved family pet. And that's okay too. Therapy animals are very, very special. They really are not just in terms of the work that they do, but their capacity to have this role. And we recognize how special that is and why it's so important to have the screening process, the credentialing process that is part of what Pet Partners does to ensure that these teams can visit safely and they will not present any risk to anyone, including themselves. We want to make sure that the animals are happy and comfortable doing the work. Awesome. Thank you so much. I love hearing that, you know, reiterating that just because an animal isn't ready now doesn't mean they won't be ready ever, but also Mm -hmm. understanding that 
that role at home that they play is honestly their most important first role anyway. And if yeah. the only role that they play, that's okay. Maybe that's yeah. where they needed the most. So yeah, I love that. The work of a therapy animal starts with being a beloved pet who loves yes. those connections with people. So that base level is always, always the place that you start from. When an animal has the right temperament and the right capacity for this work, it's incredibly special, but it doesn't make them any more important to the people who love them than if they're just a pet who spends their time snuggling with you. Yeah. And really that relationship is the basis of your therapy work anyway, right? Like I know yes. Pet Partners has the acronyms PETS and is it Y-A-Y-V? I don't know how you pronounce that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. Okay. All right. Do you want to tell us a little bit about those and how building your relationship with your pet really makes those a special part of the Pet Partners program? Yes. So Yayaba stands for you are your animal's best advocate. And that is a principle that is a foundation of our therapy animal program and is something that we ask all of our handlers to incorporate into their thinking about their work with their therapy animal and follow every day. What that means is the handler's role in a therapy animal team is not just to chauffeur the animal to wherever they're visiting and show them around, but it's also to ensure that their animal is safe and comfortable and happy doing this work. So the handler is not simply holding the leash and taking the animal where they need to go. The handler is also watching the interactions, making sure that the interactions are going well for everyone, guiding the clients in how to touch the animal. You know, some animals don't like being touched on certain parts of their body. The handler will show people the best way to pet them, will monitor their animal's body language and stress signals so that if the animal's experiencing something that they're not comfortable with, the handler can step in and change it. If the animal just isn't feeling it that day, they're tired or they're not feeling well, or there's something that kind of set them off when they entered the facility, the handler can gauge and say, you know what, we're not in the right mood for a visit today. We're going to end early and we'll come back next time and make sure that we visit with you. And doing the things outside the visit that really support their animals as well. Looking after their health generally, making sure that they're not visiting if their animal has a health condition that could be worsened by visiting or that could present a potential infection risk, making sure that their animal has a healthy diet, making sure that they get enough downtime. You know, most therapy animals need a good long rest or de-stress session after yeah. they visit it because they put a lot of energy into people that they visit with. They need some time to relax, to back off, to take a nap, to play with a toy, to just be a pet and not worry about those things. And so all of that encompasses the Yayaba principle where the handler is more than just the person presenting the animal. They're also the person advocating for that animal and ensuring that the animal is safe and healthy and that the interactions and the visits are safe and effective for everyone as well. Yeah, I love that. And I know that's something that stood out to me. I took the pet partners training. We're not a pet partners team at this time because what I'm looking to do is work with Sunny as a therapist and have her work alongside me in animal assisted mm -hmm. therapy. We'll get to your sister organization in a bit here. Sure. Um, but something that I noticed through your training, because I did take it and it's very unique, I feel like, is those principles. And I believe you're the only therapy organization to have courses endorsed by the Society 
for Healthcare Epidemiology of America. I definitely read that and still stumbled through <laughs> it. But how has that really helped shape your curriculum and how has that impacted the therapy dog teams that register through you? So our organization was started by three people with medical backgrounds, two veterinarians and a psychologist, psychiatrist, excuse me, he was a psychiatrist. <laughs> so there's always been this base of, we want to ensure that there is evidence underlying the work that we do. And we want to ensure that we're looking at safety and health and medical principles that will support the work that we do. There is an infection risk when animals are interacting with people. There's no judgment in that. It's <laughs> simply a fact. Animals can carry infectious organisms both internally and externally on their coats or feathers. There can be a risk if, you know, an animal might bite someone or accidentally mm -hmm. scratch someone. The coursework that we have has that Shea endorsement because it emphasizes these principles of infection control, where mm -hmm. we're starting by ensuring that the animal itself is healthy. We have an animal health screening. We ask handlers to regularly check. We require rabies vaccination and compliance with any local vaccination mandates for pets. Mm -hmm. Those things all help reduce risk from the animal. Animals need to be bathed or groomed no more than 24 hours before they make a visit because that helps remove anything that might be on their coats, their feet. You know, we want to make sure that their breath is nice, that their ears are clean, that their claws are clipped so that they're not likely to scratch somebody. And we also put place a really strong emphasis on infection control during a visit. So handlers should ask everybody they're visiting with to wash or use hand sanitizer before they pet a therapy animal. And then they should do it again after they pet the therapy animal, because that way they're not passing on anything that could potentially be on the animal's coat or the vest that the animal wears. If the animal does wear something like a vest or bandana, it has to be easy to clean and wash so that we're removing any infectious organisms there. We do some things that people think make us kind of a killjoy. We do have a policy against costumes, but that's part of our safety and infection control. Costumes can be difficult to sanitize. They can have sharp bits. They can confuse people. And we just want to ensure that people are enjoying the animal yeah. and the interaction with the animal. They don't necessarily need that extra thing. We require barriers particularly in healthcare settings. Sometimes therapy animals will rest on a patient's bed. We want a barrier under the animal so that there's a separation between the animal and the patient's bedding. All of these things help ensure that our teams are as safe as possible. That is why we have that endorsement from Shea. We have the highest infection control standards of any national therapy animal organization. And we're very proud about that. That is part of our commitment to being the gold standard in the field to the foundation that was laid down by our founders of having that concern about a medical background and a safety background to ensure that nobody's going to have a negative experience from a therapy animal visit. We want every visit to be positive, and that includes ensuring that nobody's going to get sick because they've visited with a therapy animal. And so we're quite proud of that Shea endorsement, and we're very dedicated to that safety and infection control aspect. That's really great. Thank you for sharing that. And then you're also affiliated with three other organizations, the Animal Assisted Intervention International, International Association of Human-Animal Interaction Organizations, and the International Society for Anthrozoology. How does that play into the Pet Partners' vision for therapy animals? Being part of those organizations gives us the opportunity to interact and learn from uh, people in this field, in many, many branches of this field. 
across the world to learn about concerns about infection control, new information about animal behavior, to collaborate on research. As I said, that foundation from being created by three different types of doctors means that we care about, is there evidence to show that what we're doing is worthwhile? Is there evidence to show that there need to be different practices, being able to connect with professionals who are practitioners, researchers, who work in other fields of human behavior that we can learn from means a lot of collaborative work and a lot of additional support and evidence for the work that we want to be doing and knowing if we need to make changes. You know, there have been times in the past where we have registered species that we don't currently accept in our program. And that was partly due to the fact that there wasn't really any research supporting Mm. that those species could do this work safely, both for the clients and for themselves. So that's why we have the species we have now. There's some evidence for that. If additional evidence comes up for additional species, we'll look at incorporating those into our program. All of these things with professionals in these other fields ensures that we are taking the broadest possible look at our field overall, not just focusing on this one narrow area of it, and ensuring that we're getting the latest and the best evidence that's there supporting animal-assisted interactions and what the benefits are and what we need to change to make sure that we're doing the work the best that we can. Yeah. And through pet partners, there's what, like seven or eight different species that you can register? We register nine types nine. of animals. I was close. And then I can say <laughs> types rather than species because technically it's more than nine species, but we put them in these categories. Most of our therapy animals are dogs. Humans built dogs to do this kind of work. That's <laughs> what it is. They're about 92% of our total registrations. And in fact, we have more golden retrievers in our program than all of our other species combined. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Not surprising. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, there is evidence that other species can have benefits as therapy animals. They can have different effects on people. They can support people who may not be interested or afraid of dogs. So we also register cats, rabbits, guinea pigs, domestic rats, equines, so horses, mostly miniature horses, because they're particularly suited to this work, and donkeys as well, birds, parrots and pigeons right now. A lot of people ask about chickens and ducks. We don't currently register chickens and ducks, again, because there isn't that evidentiary base for them. Miniature pigs, So the ones that are bred more to be pets and llamas and alpacas. And we are the only national organization that registers this many species. And we are proud of that as well. That's really great. Yeah, I have a friend and fellow colleague who has a therapy ranch as a therapist. And she has goats and chickens and rabbits. And it's really interesting to talk to her about it because they each serve their own purpose with (laughs) different types of clients and what the client is able to take away from that. So. It's really interesting, which takes me to then, are those affiliations and the studies that you've been a part of and keep an eye on, is that what led to the new Association of Animal Assisted Intervention Professionals? Yes, but also because there have been professionals doing this work for decades. Yeah. And the Pet Partners Program is not ideally built for professionals. It's really designed for this volunteer aspect where volunteers choose to do the work. They choose where they're going to visit. And a lot of times their work, it's very important, but it's focused more on that social 
human animal bond, yeah. not so much on specific treatment protocols. Right. And there are a number of professionals who go through our training, who register with our program. You mentioned that you took our handler course and they do that because we do have the highest standards in the field. A lot of facilities and insurers recognize that there's real value in having that outside screening of yeah. a professional and their therapy animal together. And that makes it easier for professionals to get insurance or bring their animal into a facility. But our liability insurance is designed for that volunteer role. Our program support overall is designed for that volunteer role. And particularly during the pandemic, the first year and a half of COVID, therapy animal visits in person largely weren't possible. And we were looking at ways to continue bringing the benefits of therapy animals to people. We were looking at research in the field. We we're looking at all these practitioners who were saying, you know, we're not able to do our work either, but we also don't have a place to go where we can connect and get resources that matter to us. And since we had this unexpected space, we decided, let's start looking at whether we can be the space, whether we can provide the space for these professionals and practitioners who need these resources. So our new organization launched in March. It is a sister association intended specifically for professionals who are working with therapy animals. So people like um, physical therapists and occupational therapists who may be working with therapy animals with their clients to help with redeveloping their skills, mental health professionals who will have therapy animals as part of their visits with their clients. It's also meant to support people such as caters who may want to work with therapy animals, whether having an animal of their own in their classroom. A lot of schools have been bringing in therapy animals. Uh, as a result of the pandemic, they've seen the benefits that it can have for students to interact with the animals. So a lot of schools and educators are starting to bring animals in. And just really anyone who is in this space where they've seen that working with an animal as part of their practice can be useful and they need resources, they need education, they need some kind of credential that yeah. can tell their employer or their facility, I have the knowledge and ability to do this. They need professional insurance. They need resources, educational resources like white papers and access to studies. And they need a community. They need a place where they can connect with other professionals, not just in the field at large, but professionals in their specialty. I talked last week with an early career occupational therapist, and she said, what I'm really looking for is a place where I can talk to other occupational therapists. I can talk yeah. to people who've been doing this work for a while and learn from them. And we can also all talk about what do we need? What kind of resources need to be developed specifically for our field? Yeah. So our new association is the Association of Animal Assisted Intervention Professionals or AAAIP or triple AIP, as we <laughs> often refer to it internally. It is a separate organization, but it does have ties to pet partners. And it is specifically designed for these professionals. So we're providing a course that is foundational for professionals in this field to ensure their knowledge, their ability. Passing this course provides them with the Animal Assisted Intervention Specialist Certification, mm -hmm. which says they have met the qualifications through this course, we're providing the opportunity for professionals to purchase 
liability insurance that's specific to them that will Mm -hmm. cover the needs that they have. We have a library of resources. We have an online community where these professionals can talk to each other. We're really excited to be able to provide this space and address this need that, you know, there have been so many people who have been looking for something like this, and so many of them have had to do their own research. They've had no place to go. They've had no idea where to start. If they're bringing their animal into a facility, they have to build their own documentation and make a case from the ground up all on their own. Being able to go to AAAIP means a lot of those resources will be available to them. They'll have the opportunity to get this credential. They'll have the opportunity to learn from others in their field. And they'll also be able to teach each other which will be really valuable going forward as well. There really is not anything else like this in this space. One of the things that we talk about about the field of AAI generally is there are no set standards. There are no independent certifying bodies. AAAIP is setting the stage for that to be the case, for there to be a place where professionals can get this independent analysis and certification and be able to say to facilities, to employers, to clients, to other treatment associations. I have this knowledge, I have this capacity, I have this certification that says, I can do this work safely. You can bring me into your facility, you can bring me into your association and be confident that I can do this work safely and I will not put you or our clients at risk. And that's critically important for people who wanna be doing this work to have that foundation and to reassure their facilities, their employers, the other associations they're affiliated with. And we're really, really excited that we had the opportunity to do this. We might not have done it if the pandemic hadn't kind of stopped our other work, but it did. And now we're just seeing so much excitement in the field generally, spreading the word about this association and encouraging people to come take a look and see what it can offer for them. I love that. I think I joined the same day I found out about it. (laughs) (laughs) Because that is my path forward as soon as I managed to finish my master's program here. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I had no idea that that came largely out of a pandemic pivoting, let's see what else can we do right now sort of approach. That's great. I've seen a lot of things come out um, for therapy animals during the pandemic. Yeah, We've been doing some of this work throughout the history of the organization for the past couple decades, Pet Partners has really been focused on the therapy animal program because we were just split in too many different directions and the therapy animal program was a place to focus. But in 2015, we did bring on Dr. Taylor Chastain Griffin as our director of AAI advancement with the idea of there is all this research, there are all these people who want to expand the scope of AAI. And Taylor's role has been to kind of collect that research, to work with other professionals in the field in supporting our therapy animal program. But we also saw that there was this space, that there were places where we could create more opportunities for professionals. And it might not have happened this quickly without the pandemic, Yeah. but silver lining that did give us the opportunity to say, we're going to go forward with this and we're going to launch this. We're really excited to have this available for this side of the field that is not served specifically by pet partners, but that really is vitally important and needs these resources. Yeah, that's great. Going to change gears here. Uh, Before I do that, we have a quick question coming in, which goes a little bit back to when you were talking about your own dog 
working mm-hmm. on reliability and predictability. Someone said they just took their handler course and they're wondering if they do not receive a complex team eval score, if there is a wait time to retake. They're looking for their dog and themselves to be in AAAIP down the road and they're super excited about it all. <laughs> Excellent. We are thrilled to have people come forward with that. I also quickly want to mention, you don't have to have a therapy animal to become a member of AAAIP. That's not currently a requirement. Many do, but right now we're working more on the human, the practitioner. But regarding that question, there's not a specific wait time if you want to reevaluate for a new rating. We typically ask at least three days, but for most people, depending on when evaluations are scheduled in their community, it'll be more than that anyway. And it's just a case of letting pet partner staff know that you want to do another evaluation, getting it scheduled and seeing what happens. But I also want to stress, and this gets a little bit into the weeds, we do have these two different ratings for our therapy animal teams, which mm-hmm. comes through the team evaluation, which is the handler and the animal being evaluated together to see how they do in a simulated setting. These two ratings are predictable and complex, and those don't actually reflect the team, and they're not quality ratings. What those things are gauging is what kind of setting is the team best suited for. So a team that gets a predictable rating, they'll be at their best when they're in a setting where They have a fairly good idea of what's going to occur during a visit. There aren't going to be a lot of surprises. There aren't going to be a lot of outside stimuli. Uh, A good example of this is we often get questions. We got a predictable rating. Does that mean we can't visit at a school? Because children are unpredictable. It doesn't mean that at all. In a classroom setting where you may be working with the teacher on a structured activity and the children are sitting quietly during this activity, that can be a great setting for a predictable team. Complex is more about, are there going to be a lot of surprises? Is the team going to be operating on their own a lot without having someone supervising them while they're visiting? A good example of this is we have a number of teams that visit with people who are in prisons, jails, other facilities where they are not allowed to leave. They may have substance abuse disorders that cause behavioral problems. They may have trauma that causes other problems. They may react unpredictably to things. For that kind of setting, a complex team will be best because they will be capable of kind of rolling with the changes. They will be ready to deal with something unexpected happening or something that you can't predict it in advance, essentially. Um, Ratings for teams can change over time. It's not uncommon for a team to be predictable when they start their career. They reevaluate again two years later. They have a lot more experience. The animal's a lot more familiar with what they're doing. They'll get a complex rating because their experience and how they work together has increased. And then as the animal gets older, they may go back to a predictable rating because the animal has slowed down a little bit. They still enjoy the work, but they're not as interested in a setting where there's going to be a lot of busy activity and a lot of unexpected noise. That's simply part of the process of being a team. It's not a statement on the quality of the team. It's more about how successful can they be where they visit. There's a lot of misunderstanding about that. And I'm always eager to clear that up because every therapy animal team is valuable. Every therapy animal visit is valuable. And you are no better a team (laughs) if you have a predictable rating than if you have a complex rating because the effect you can have 
on the people that you visit is going to be just as powerful regardless of that rating. Yeah, I, I like how you explained that. They said thank you, by the way. Um, awesome. And I think I didn't really actually understand that that rating was, I knew it impacted the environment, but for some reason it was always confusing to me because I was like, wait, why can a predictable team be in less complicated environments than a complex team? But now I understand it's about the environment being labeled as such, not the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, but that makes sense. And it might even be that you as a person don't feel comfortable in a complex situation, yep. even if your animal does. Yeah, we see that as well. It's not uncommon for the animal to score in the range that would indicate a complex rating, but the handler to score the yeah. one that is more in the predictable right. rating. And that was kind of what I talked about, how many teams starting out not all of them, but many will get that predictable rating because they're new and they're not totally sure what to expect. But as they learn and work together, they may get a complex rating. And complex teams can also visit in predictable environments. There's nothing preventing that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, now let's really switch gears yes. because today is an exciting day. It is. <laughs> and I would love to hear more about what National Therapy Animal Day is all about and when it began. National Therapy Animal Day was launched in 2015, and we created it because we wanted to have kind of a central day where we can really focus on the work that is done by therapy animal teams. What we're celebrating with that is we're celebrating the therapy animals because, as I said earlier, they are really special animals. They're making this huge change for their communities. We're also celebrating the handlers because the handlers are so crucial to this work being done. And we're celebrating the effects of therapy animal visits and the human animal bond. So we wanted to have kind of a day where we could say, hey, let's focus on this. Let's show our communities how important these animals and these handlers and this work is. And just give everybody an opportunity to have this one special day where everybody focuses and we say, we wanna celebrate you. We wanna celebrate the work that you do and the important differences that you make in your community. I was talking with our chief mission officer about something last week about a date around something relating to National Therapy Animal Day, and it was potentially going to happen next week. And she said, that's fine with me. Every day is National Therapy Animal Day as far as we're concerned. <laughs> but having this one special day where across the country, everybody can say, we love therapy animals. We appreciate what they bring to our communities. That's what this day is for. And that's what we're celebrating today. That's really awesome. And does pet partners have any goals that they hope to accomplish through that day beyond celebrating therapy animals? One of the things that we really like to focus on is advocacy. We do a lot of advocacy work throughout the year each day around issues that support the human-animal bond and animal-assisted interventions, particularly standards for therapy animals coming into facilities. And one of the things that we encourage people to do in the run-up to National Therapy Animal Day is to contact their local officials and request a proclamation in honor of National Therapy Animal Day. The proclamation doesn't carry any legislative weight, but what it does is it makes local officials aware of therapy animals in the community and the work that we're doing. It also provides an opportunity for the community at large to see that their city, their county, their state is recognizing the important work that these teams do, that therapy animals are so important to supporting the health of the community. So we actually have a great little tool 
online that people can use. It's available under the advocacy tab on our website or from the National Therapy Animal Day page where you just go in, you enter a little information about yourself, you talk a little bit about what therapy animals mean to you, and you click the button and it sends it right off to your local officials. As of yesterday afternoon, which was the last time I looked, we had 54 proclamations from cities and counties all over the country and from six or seven states, which is really mm -hmm. exciting. Just having the opportunity for therapy animal handlers and advocates to interact with their local officials in this way and to be able to share these proclamations saying, we're recognizing therapy animals on this day and highlighting the important role that they play in our communities. When I talked with my local county council, because I got a proclamation for the county <laughs> that I live in, I talked about these animals are supporting people in our community who have experienced trauma, who are struggling with health issues, particularly after the pandemic. We all have a much more keen idea of what trauma and grief mean mm -hmm. and how huge they are in our lives. Having the opportunity to interact with a therapy animal can help ease some of that, can help start moving people towards the healing. A therapy animal won't heal you in and of themselves, but they can give you a place to start from mm -hmm. in that voyage, along with all the therapy animals who are doing things like working with occupational therapists or with mental health counselors. All of that work is really important. And it's just really exciting to see communities recognizing this and sharing how important therapy animals are for everybody. Even if we don't individually benefit from therapy animals, we benefit from the work and the support that they bring to our communities. That's really great. How would you recommend someone get involved in National Therapy Animal Day then if they wanted to celebrate or help spread the cause? I know you mentioned the proclamations on the website. Do you have any other recommendations or ways that people can help celebrate today? We also encourage people to contact their local media just to talk about their support for therapy animals. We ask our handlers to contact their local media and talk about their work. Local media is often very interested in hearing about these warm and fuzzy stories. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the importance of therapy animals to our communities. A lot of volunteers will hold special events in their communities. Many of our community partner groups, which are organized groups of volunteers, will hold special events. We also have a special fun thing, particularly encourage for schools, libraries, students, and workplaces that want to do something special. It's called Treats and Sweets Day, and it's a baking event where you can bake treats for both humans and pets. There's also an opportunity to raise funds in support of our therapy animal program. It's another way of bringing that awareness to people. We have a cute little recipe as part of the Treats and Sweets Day resources where they're little sugar cookies that look like rats. <laughs> and I like to make those and give them out to people as part of, hey, did you know rats can be therapy animals? It's just another way of getting that idea into people's minds and bringing that awareness to them about what therapy animals mean and what National Therapy Animal Day is celebrating. I love that. Well, Elizabeth, we've talked so much. Thank you so much. I did not even plan for our conversation <laughs> to be this in depth or in length, but is there anything else that you wanted to share while we're here together for National mm -hmm. Therapy? I just, as you might've guessed, I love what I do. I love having the opportunity to talk about it and bring this awareness to people. I don't just benefit from this in a work sense. 
I love every story that we see of a therapy animal making a difference. I love every handler I hear from who says, we visited at this facility today and we had this experience and it's so powerful. But I've also benefited from it personally. I'm married to a disabled veteran and therapy dogs have been part of the treatment that he's received as part of Mm -hmm. recovering from and working through his disability. And Pet Partners has a partnership with the Veterans Administration to help bring more therapy animals to VA facilities. So that particular part is very close to my heart. And I want to make sure that we have Pet Partners volunteers in every single state. We're almost (laughs) there. I think there are three states where we don't currently have anybody that we have volunteer leaders in those states that help create these therapy animal teams and that we continue to expand the awareness and to increase access and support standards for therapy animals because there's a lot of confusion in this field. There's a lot of mix-ups with service animals, emotional support animals. We want to clarify that and we want to ensure that therapy animals who are supporting people in the community are available to as many people as possible because there's such a need And there is pretty much nowhere that can't benefit from having a therapy animal visit. And that's part of what the organization wants to achieve and what I personally want to achieve in my role with Pet Partners. I love that. And you've mentioned multiple times that you share so many of the therapy animal stories that come your way. Where can someone find those stories if they want more examples of the work therapy animals do? We have a page on our website under the volunteer tab called Featured Teams. And that is where we share stories from some of our teams. In addition, we have a page to honor our therapy animals, and that's what it's called. And a lot of the handlers share stories there about how their therapy animals affected them and experiences that they had working with their therapy animals who have since retired or passed away. We also often share some of these stories in our blog, which is called Take the Lead, Okay. again, on our website. And of course, our social media, we regularly share experiences from our teams and we value every single one of them who interacts with us, who shares those stories, who comes to us with a story. The volunteers are the heart of the program. We absolutely could not do this without them. And their work is what makes all the difference. And that is what we support. I am here to support them and to tell their stories. Awesome. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your knowledge, your experience, and your passion for therapy animals on National Therapy Animal Day. Well, thank you for having me on. I am very grateful. I love to talk about what we do. And I want to wish a happy National Therapy Animal Day to everyone out there and support a therapy animal in your community. Visit our website, learn more about what you can do, become an advocate. There are a lot of ways that you can support this work, even if you're not ready to become a therapy animal team yourself. I love it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye, everyone.